Hey, uh, so this week is uh, one of my favorite messages, and I realized just how much God's changed me in, in my life over the years. Um, as I've, I've done this message before, um, and even just hearing it kind of as I'm meditating on it this morning, I realized that I'm, I'm less crazy uh, than I used to be. So good news is if you've heard this before, you probably get a different version of it here today. Uh, this is not a sermon. I don't have anything really written down. Uh, I'm really just going to talk to you guys uh, today. We are doing a continuation, if you would, from the series that we just ended called More Than Minor. And uh, when we did More Than Minor, it was really all the Old Testament prophets uh, explaining uh, that there was a need that Israel had and that ultimately God was trying to fulfill. And so I want you to know, uh, even especially as we read Malachi, and he was talking about what fathers were supposed to be like. Uh, and, and we just don't know, and Jesus had to show us that. He had to come to the earth to show us what a father is and what a father does. He, he was telling us that we, we don't know what a husband's supposed to look like. And so he sent Jesus in this world to show us what a bridegroom looks like. And he, we don't know how to sacrifice or how to serve or how to give. And, and the Lord realized that he was going to have to come and show us what that love looked like. And so that's really what today's all about. We're going to take communion together today at the end of service. And um, ah, it's a very moving time for me. And let me pray really quick, and we'll kind of get started with this whole concept. Hey, Jesus, help. Amen. Help me, Jesus. Hey, uh, so as, uh, as I, if I were to kind of put like a theme out here for you guys, I would just want you to know that I, I know that you heard this story before, but I wonder, do you remember it? Uh, mostly everyone that's ever been born in this country knows that Jesus came and he died. For God so loved the world that he gave. Uh, I know that you know, but, but do you remember? Uh, I love to tell stories. I'm a storyteller. Uh, and uh, I love to tell the story of, of you know, when, when the Giants beat the undefeated uh, uh, New York, uh, New, New, New England Patriots, you know, and we had that awesome helmet catch. It's a really wonderful moment in time. If you weren't there, I'd love to tell you about it one day. Or when the Boston Red Sox beat those, those dang Yankees uh, in 03 and they broke the curse, you know, and they were down three games to none and no team has ever done that before. And they, they did it with crazy extra innings and it was really a wonderful time for Boston Red Sox fans. I love to tell stories. I love to tell the story of, of when I, I went on my first date with my wife at Denny's at two in the morning. And sitting across there and that wonderful light that they have there, that lighting, they, the Lord just told me, hey, this is your, that's your wife. And uh, on my first date, I knew I was going to marry her. And I proposed two dates later. Uh, I'd love to tell you the story if you've never heard it before. It's really special. I'd love to tell a story when my kids were born. There's a lot of stories that I love to tell. And really, uh, Scripture would say that, but, but it's through telling stories that really the gospel has grown through the years. It's people getting together and breaking bread and telling about these wonderful moments that God has gifted us with. No more than Jesus being broken for us. One night, Jesus sat with the disciples, and he had dinner, and that dinner was called Passover. Except that dinner, uh, so Passover was basically a theme where they would look back and remember what God has done for Israel as a country when they were slaves to Egypt and God liberated them from their, from their slavery, and the wrath of God was poured out on his enemies, and it brought freedom to the Israelites. And as Jesus is telling that story to them, he stops in the middle of this 
dinner, this festival. It would be like our Christmas. And uh, he said, um, hey, guys, um, as, uh, as we do this, uh, uh, as you break this bread, I want you to know that tonight this, is, this bread means something different. See, tonight this, this bread is my body. And as long as you eat of this bread, I want you to break it and I want you to remember me. The disciples had no idea what he meant as he would take and literally break the bread. And he said, my body is going to be broken for you. This story, I believe, is the greatest story that's ever been told. And today, I know you know it, but I'd like to see you remember it. Don't forget to remember today. Oh, Jesus. You know, I didn't know that God loved me, but I've learned First uh, John chapter 4, verse 19 says, We love him because he first loved us. And the thing is, when I began to understand that God loved me, I remember a preacher saying one day that God loved me and he had a plan for my life. First time I ever heard the gospel, I was in a, a hospital bed after I was in a terrible car accident because of drug, drugs. And that man came in and he said, I just want you to know that God has a plan for you. I didn't believe it. I didn't know nothing about it. And today I want you to know that the Lord loves you. He loves you as you are. And that's the beauty of the gospel because I had never known love like that before. I had always thought because of broken promises and people, how they lied to me, that that I had to be different for God to love me. I had to be great. But that's not the story of the gospel of Jesus and that's not the story of the love of God. Today I'm excited to tell you about it. There was really nothing special about Jesus. We were going through the minor prophets, and so I just want you to know that Jesus, the life of Jesus actually fulfilled like hundreds of prophecies uh, about the fulfillment of, of who Jesus when he came. And, and we know that after the life of Jesus, that Jesus literally lived because there were secular writings about the life of Christ and his significance on earth. We know also that this guy wasn't made up because the 12 disciples who saw him die and saw him resurrected, they actually would end up giving their lives one at a time, one after another. If this story was made up by then, I tell you, there's no one that's trying to hide a secret that's willing to lay down their life uh, if, it's a, if it's a fable. They gave their life because they, know, they needed to everyone to know that Jesus Christ lived, that Jesus Christ died, and Jesus Christ was resurrected for the sins of all mankind. And uh, one after another, they would give their life. And I have come to find today that this is the greatest story of disciples, and he, re- and he wanted them to remember this story. So, there's nothing really beautiful about Jesus. He was... Uh, Probably just as ordinary and uh, I, I, I say as ugly as me. Um, what I mean by that is that he wasn't made beautiful or wonderful or glorious. It was the love that was within him that made all the difference. It was the way that he lived his life that was special. And we know this throughout everyone. I mean, there are so many secular writings that would say that, that from, from, from Gandhi and all these other guys that would say that the way that Jesus lived his life, now that was special. And everyone knows that the way that Jesus loved people, the way he gave, the way he helped, the way he served, the way he broke bread and made time for those that were down and out, he didn't look over people, he was special. And Jesus came because he knew that he had to die. It was the whole reason why he came. He said that that he didn't come for those that were healthy, he came for those that were sick. He came for those that were lost and needing saved. That was me. 
the night that he would be betrayed, uh, he was praying, and the Bible would say that he would be praying and he would be sweating and crying as he knows. Can you imagine if you know that you're about to suffer one of the worst deaths at the hand of any man that had ever lived, how nervous you would be, especially if you foreknew it and you could see it happening. Well, Jesus was sweating and crying that night, but it, the scripture would go on to say that there was so much going on in his body because he was literally sweating blood. And I, I want you to know the grief that was on him was so abnormal because he didn't just have the idea that he was going to die. As he would say, Father, if there's any other way that we can do this, I know that we've kind of pre-arranged this, but like if maybe we could figure something else out really quick in the next 20 minutes, I'd, I'd sure not like to go and do what I'm about to do, but, but he did. And the reason why he did is because he loved us while we were yet sinners. See, Jesus sweat blood that night because he wore our shame. It, it wasn't the, the fear of being crucified. It was the understanding and the reality of who we are. And what I'm about to tell you is important that you understand. I think we as Americans think that we're mostly good and it's not needed to have like sacrifice. See, all of Israel would have to have a, a, a pure, spotless animal sacrificed for their sin. And that just seems weird, especially in our culture, because we think like all you have to do is if you've done bad, just do more good. But see, that, that's not real, and we really know that, but on the surface level, we're just trying to be 51% of a good person, good enough to get into heaven. But that's, that's just not the way like it is. The reality is, is that if I steal, I am a thief. And, and there's no amount of good that I can do to offset the fact that I have stolen and I am a thief. Do you understand? When you break the law, you're a lawbreaker. It's what happens. And he is a holy God. And when we sin, we become unholy. And the only way to make us righteous again, I'm thinking about this in, in our life. We, we, we did bad, but now if we just do enough good, we'll be okay. No, that's not true, and I, I can prove it to you. If someone was to get in their car, and, and they were a great person, and they served down at, down at the YMCA, and they did all these great things for people, really wonderful. They bought Christmas gifts for kids, but, but they got drunk, and they drove their car into one of your children or nieces and nephews. They would forever have been a murderer in your eyes. You wouldn't see them any different, even if you saw them serving somewhere. I want you to know that if you hear about a priest who does great things for, for mankind and people and prays and helps and builds orphanages, when they molest little children, they are a child molester. But I want you to understand that like in the concept of humans, we, when we sinned, when we lost it, when we coveted, when we were prideful, when we were lazy, we became unholy. And God had a process for making that righteous again. And Jesus knew it as he's sweating drops of blood. And my shame, and my lust, and my arrogance, and my covetousness, and my pride was upon him. And it's not fair to him that I don't know how to get right. I'm forever thankful. See, the story is he would be arrested, and uh, he would be taken in the morning to a place that, that Romans would call a praetorium. Can you say praetorium? A praetorium uh, was simply, you have to understand that Romans, Rome, uh, 
Israel was governed by Rome at that time, history would say. And um, the Roman guards and citizens, they lived away from their families. And so in order to honor the Roman soldiers, they would do like... uh, uh, public discipline in front of people, one, to galvanize the the manliness of the men and how strong they were and how awesome they were, but also like as a reward for them to entertain them before they would start their shift in the morning or during lunch break or at the end of the day. And they wanted Israel to know how manly these people were and what punishment looked like when you disobeyed one of them. Does this make sense? And so they would make a spectacle of people and it would be a source of entertainment to the Romans. And that's exactly what would happen this morning when Jesus would be brought out to this praetorium. So what they would do is they were going to just whip him, and that would be enough. And so they, would, they fastened his arms, and they threw it up over um, this, this like, like a pole. And the purpose of this would be to, to stretch him out so that his skin would stretch out. So when they whipped someone, they weren't just going to whip him like a little bit. Uh, they, they, they were going to make this a public entertaining scenario. So the person who actually did this punishment, his job, his title, there are books written about these types of men. They were called lictors. And uh, they, they would be manly men, uh, awesome type of guys. And, and they, they would be good at, at getting everyone excited about their day. And, hey, this is awesome. And they had this guy limbed up today, and he had the sin of me on his life. And they, uh, this, this lictor, I imagine, was... Would, would try to be funny and he would try to be uh, uh, laughable, entertaining, and he would yell and get everyone excited. And they would have these things called uh, flagellums, and they would be a cat of nine tails. Nine tails. A, a Jew was not allowed by law to be whipped more than 39 times. They were not allowed to be whipped 40 times. Only uh, unregistered Jews or, or, or slaves can be whipped more than 40 times. And so Jesus received the full punishment that day of 39 lashes across his back of 39 tails. Purpose of them stretching his skin out. I just imagine what it would be like knowing from the night before and knowing his whole life that this moment was going to come when you, if you ever played bloody knuckles or like uh, punch for punch and you know that pain is about to come, you know, if you're about to be in a car accident, how you tighten yourself and lock down. Can you imagine Jesus about to be whipped what that must have been like in his mind and in his brain, waiting for the first one to come down across his back. You know, I don't know who it was that said the first cut is the deepest, you know. It was real. And it happened to him. And I wonder, uh, as they would stretch him up again and hit him and hit him, And hit him. The purpose of this, Isaiah chapter 53, the same chapter that I'm reading you, another book of wonderful prophecy would say, that Jesus was despised and rejected by all men. He was a man of sorrows, acquitted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. And he was despised, and, he did, and, he, and we did not esteem him. And it said, it surely he bore our griefs, and he carried our sorrows. Scripture says that stripe after stripe came down on his back, because Isaiah 53 said the reason why he had to be whipped was because it was His stripes brought us healing. 
today I don't know where you are or what your belief is in Jesus. I just want you to know that I have found the power of God to not be a fable, but I have experienced the power of God in my own life, and I've seen the power of God, and I want you to know that the beauty of the whip that he bore upon his back brought healing, paid for healing, paid for it. It's already been purchased. You know how some people get mad at a grocery store when they feel like they're being robbed because they paid for something and they didn't get what they were promised? I want you to know that Jesus paid for with every whip that came down his back. And I wonder how many times it took for him to be whipped before his body just completely gave out and he hung there just lifeless. I know you know the story, but do you remember? So many times we just mentioned that Jesus was whipped and crucified. But what changes the story is when you understand that he had to come so we understood that we were loved. He did that not for the world, but he did it for me. Because I needed a great amount of healing in my life. Because I had wounds of rejection and hurt deep within me. And that paid for my adoption. The scripture would say that he was... He was bruised for my iniquities. After they brought him down off of that, 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 that pole, and after he was done being whipped, the scripture says that they mocked him. Now, I don't, I don't know exactly what happened, but I know that they, they said that the Bible says they put a robe around him. And I just think about that for a second, and I think about his open wounds and how 39 lashes of nine tails would look like across an open sore as they put a giant Band-Aid across his back. And laughed at him. They put a crown of thorns on him and they laughed and they insulted him. And I just want you to know if you've ever experienced shame in your life because of something that you did and you got caught and you knew it was wrong or you gossiped and you slandered and someone found out and you, hurt and you knew you hurt someone. Jesus knew in that moment as he was being insulted, they were my insults. They put a crown of thorns on him and they laughed at him as they would any criminal. He was treated as if he was wrong, and he was the only man that ever walked the earth that was right. I don't understand how it would happen, but they would put a cross on his back and ask him to march up a hill. The Bible says that many punched him, that they bruised him, Isaiah would say that he was bruised for my iniquities and he was beaten, Isaiah 53 would say, so that I would be whole. The abuse that he took on took off mine. And I just... I'm thankful. See, the difference on the night that Passover happened as they would break bread and pass it to one another, the reason why that's different from us is many of us have never seen the cross. But I have because I love him now, because I understand of his love for me. And so I, I, I think it's important, the imagery that you get in your head, we're not, it's not a movie that we're trying to watch, although those are great. It's that you understand that Jesus died for you and you remember this was personal because it affects your life your salvation, your deliverance, and your healing. Amen? Amen? He was beaten so that I could be made whole. Surely he bore my griefs and he carried my sorrow. As they put a cross on his back and asked him to march up a hill, 
the difference between him and the other two criminals that were with him that day was that Jesus was already beaten. I can't imagine what it would be like to wear the weight of a cross on an open sore. You ever have a bruise on your body and some jerk always wants to touch it? You know, you got sunburned that day and why is it that everyone wants to touch your sunburn when you get sunburned? It's like they pat you on the back only when you're in pain, you know? No one steps on your toes until you have an ingrown toenail, you know? Like, like why is it that that happens? But I, I think the cross that came down upon Jesus' back reminded him of the weight that he was carrying and how he intentionally walked up Calvary to get to me. I'd never known love in my life before. I had been cheated and lied to and shortcut it so many times in my life. But I love him because he first loved me. And he showed me what love looks like. He showed me what sacrifice is. He showed me what goodness is. He showed me what it means to be a faithful husband, a, a faithful father, a faithful, a loving, sacrificial The scripture would go on to say that he was pierced for our rebellion. And I wonder what that would look like. See, I, I bet you went by the time he got, I, I laugh about it and I joke, but you know, I have a hard time walking up any hill. <laughs> Jesus was flagged 39 times, flogged, I'm sorry, 39 times and carried a cross. I have a hard time walking by myself up that high. But when they laid him down, I don't think that he moved. I don't think he resisted. I think he just laid there, exhausted, as they would put his hands, as they would put his hands on that cross, and they'd empty that spike into his hand. As they put it through his feet, I wonder if he saw me. The Bible says that they stripped him naked I gambled for his clothes and I can't imagine the shame of what it would be like to be naked in front of your parents as his mother stood there and everyone laughed at him my savior my best friend the only one who's actually ever been faithful to me every day of my life I've never been faithful and I've never deserved what he gave me. And as they would lift him up in the air, I think again and again how difficult it must have been as time went on. What would happen is if you're crucified, you would actually, um, you drown in your blood. Internal bleeding begins to take over throughout your body. And in order for Jesus to get oxygen, he had to stand on that wound in his legs, take the pressure off his hands. Jesus wore out long before the other criminals that day. They had to be killed that night before Passover fully came. And Jesus didn't last very long. He, had already, he was already wore out. But it's recorded some of the prayers that he prayed from the cross that day as he said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Think about how many times in my life I needed to hear that. And I just want you to know that the people in your life that have hurt you, people, they never know what they're doing when they hurt you, even if it's intentional. They don't, they're not trying, it's not effort. Not, even if they're choosing to hurt you, they don't know. But Jesus looked down and realized the sin that was in my life. 
I know that you know the story, but do you remember that Jesus loved you? The scripture would say this, Revelations chapter 5, all glory to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by shedding his blood for us. 1 John chapter 4, verse 9 through 10, God showed us how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Up to this point that I heard the gospel for the first time in my life, I think I realized that I was solely living for me. And I never realized what life was like. But when Jesus gave his life, I realized that that is life. That we live not to benefit ourselves, but we live to give our life away, to serve. Jesus said from his own mouth, I did not come to be served. He was the king of kings, the Lord of lords. I didn't come to be served, but to give my life as a ransom for many. And I just think like many of us are still wondering, we're believers, we're still wondering, what is the purpose of life? And it's because you're still the center of your own world. But when you see the people around you as an opportunity to display the love that Jesus displayed for you, now you're getting it. And this is why he came, and this is why all the minor prophets were, were he was like, I got to show you guys what love is. I got to show you, because you're not seeing it. You think it's about all these rules and all these laws and do and don't do. The coolest part about this whole thing is when they took him off the cross and they put him in the grave, and then all the disciples freaked out for days, like I do, like many of you do, when real life is happening and we wonder, oh God, where are you? The disciples who walked with Jesus are going, Lord, like, what do we do with our lives now? All hope is gone. Jesus is dead. And I know you read the end of the book. You know that he's alive. But like, think about the reality of what that would mean for you when hope is gone and you get a phone call from the doctor that says this person has cancer or this car accident just happened and you feel hopeless. And what I love that what Jesus gave for me is not even just the promise of healing on this earth. The power of his resurrection tells me that I will never have to fear death as long as I live. I won't have to fear my children's death. I won't have to fear a car accident or cancer or anything because to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And I, it's not a fable. The reason why I know this is because I wasn't there and I didn't see Jesus crucified and I didn't see the empty tomb, but I have experienced it. And I just want you to know today that the power of God is real. He's here in this room as we speak. Some of you today, we're looking around the room going, what is going on in this place? It's Jesus and the love that he has for his church and his people and people responding the best way that they can with their voices and with their hands and saying, God, my whole life is yours. How do I know God's alive? As I experience his presence, the Holy Spirit is real. And the reason why the Holy Spirit exists is because I, Tim Broughton, is not holy. But him living within me is. And the more I let him live, 
the more I'm like Jesus. And I just want you to know today, with, would you do me a favor just real quick as we begin closing? Would you all bow your heads and close your eyes? This is a holy moment right here. The presence of Jesus is in this room. It is the most powerful thing that I've ever seen. I've seen healings of all different kinds in my life from broken bones. Uh, I've seen blind eyes. I've seen marriages put back together. I've seen children healed and children born and wonderful, crazy, extravagant miracles. And it's all because of an empty tomb. Because death could not hold back God's love to restore me or restore you to who he's called you to be. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want you to know that God has a plan for your life. Jesus died to wash your sins away and to make you new, to make you like him. If you're here today and you'd say, uh, Pastor Tim, I... I think I may be understanding this for the first time, or I feel like God's tugging on me. As I begin to hear the gospel, I begin to realize that God was always in my life, that he was always trying to awaken me. He was always trying to get my attention. He was always trying to say, you were made for something more. Maybe you could see God's hand in your life as he saved your life from that car accident or from that overdose or from that relationship or from all those things. You can see the love of God in your life now. Because God loved us while we were yet sinners. Jesus died for us.